Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all today. Um, I, I, I don't know how to follow that, um, except for to say that I'm not here to bring you a pot of gold, even though at times I look like a leprechaun. Um, I'm here to bring you a pot of Jesus, and that's really what we need. That's the true treasure that we're seeking after. Um, before I get started today, um, I want to take a minute to recognize that the Christmas season isn't always the easiest season for people. Um, And so today, if you're here um, and uh, you see everyone celebrating around you, and yet this season is a season of sadness for you, uh, my hope is that you will be encouraged uh, that God is with you today. Um, This season, in this time, uh, it can be lonely. It can be extremely lonely as you uh, look around you and see people gathering together as families. And I hope that you know that Christ is with you at the end of the sermon today. Uh, This can be a season of disappointment for some. Some have wished, longed uh, to have a family. Uh, Some have wished and longed to be able to experience the joy um, that others have. Um, maybe you wish and long to be able to give that, and yet you aren't able to provide in those ways. Uh, Brother and sister, I pray that today you'll be encouraged today um, that God has provided, um, that God is with you, that God uh, is working in and through you in ways you don't understand. And so today as we turn to God's word, it's my hope that you are encouraged uh, in whatever state you're in. Whatever way you come today, I hope that Jesus speaks to you and ministers to you through my broken, feeble words. Um, And so if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read out of a couple passages today. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to eat up some of my preaching time with God's word, which quite frankly is a much better exchange. Uh, You guys are going to come out all the better for that. Uh, here we go, Isaiah 7, I think we have the, uh, Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9 on the, on the TV, and then when, we, uh, when I read Matthew, that won't be up there, but here we go, Isaiah 7, verse 14, pay careful attention to the reading of God's word, therefore uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy, they rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now out of Matthew chapter 1, the birth of Christ. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, this virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and, she called, and he called his name Jesus. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Pray with me, please. Lord, uh, we come to you now um, in this hour as your saints around the world gather together, um, united in heart and song, to worship you, Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we pray that you would clear away any distractions from our hearts, that we might receive you, that we might hear from you. Lord, we pray you'd be with your minister. He's weak and sinful and broken. Lord, be with him, encourage him, sharpen his words, we pray, for the building of your body, the glory of your kingdom, the glory of your name, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you know this, uh, but it's Christmas. Um, Christmas is all around us. Now, you may be one of those weirdos who starts listening to Christmas music like before Thanksgiving, um, which is really odd. Um, you may not even wait for the turkey to be settled until you're setting up your Christmas tree. Um, but Christmas is all around us. Uh, and I can always tell when Christmas is around me because music starts playing, right? You start hearing music over and over and over again. And so often the Christmas music sets us in a particular mood. It makes us feel homey. It makes us long for family, long for company. It brings us a certain amount of joy. But Christmas music is, is a little bit weird. I don't know if you've ever listened to the lyrics of the Christmas songs that play on the radio all the time. But they generally fall into kind of three big categories, right? Um, there's the first one. Be good so you can get something, right? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to Kent Town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So? Be good. Be good so you can get something. Santa's coming. Another one is that family matters, right? I'll be home for Christmas, right? Uh, all I want for Christmas is you. Kind of awkward, a um, little bit weird, right? 
Um, you get the other ones like party and love. Those are that's another big theme. Uh, rocking around the Christmas tree. Uh, that's, that's just a, another odd, odd song. Um, but all these things focus on what we can do, what we experience during the Christmas season to make our lives better. Right? Um, be good so you can receive something. Um, Spend time with family, and then you'll be fulfilled. You'll feel settled about yourself. Party, live it up, find someone to love, and you'll feel good. You'll feel satisfied. That longing inside of you will be taken care of. But the funny thing is, is every year we sing those same songs, and every year we long for those same things, because the reality is those things never really satisfy us, do they? Um... It doesn't matter how many pairs of really nice uh, headphones I get. The next year, guess what I want? Another nice of new, another pair of nice headphones. The other Sunday, I was singing in a church here locally uh, the great hymn, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," and it struck me as I was singing that how um, how much different that song, how different that song is. To the songs around us. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. This hymn means so much more to me during the Advent season because it points me to something other than the stuff this world offers me. It points me outside of myself, outside of my family, outside of my, uh, of my possessions to the only one who can deliver me from the oppression, from the oppression of being a slave to all of those things. It points me to the one who relieves my suffering, who comforts me now, and who will comfort me in the years to come. You see, the Advent season, it isn't just about what happened 2,000 years ago. The Advent season isn't just made and meant for us to look back or even to look at this, the things of this world, the Advent season is meant for us to look back, yes, to see the coming of our Deliverer, but to recognize now that Deliverer is here. God with us. And that Deliverer is coming again to bring us into his kingdom. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this idea of God with us. And hopefully what we're going to see is that Jesus has come. He is here and he will come again. So we have something steady to rejoice in. Something that will satisfy us. And we're going to look at this in, uh, in four points. You can bring the points up. Now is the time, people, to start writing. Um, I'll go slow. But these are our four points for today. First, Emmanuel has come to triumph over his and our enemies. Second, Emmanuel is here to bring us comfort. 
third, Emmanuel will come again to establish his kingdom forever. And then fourth, rejoice. God is with us. God is with us. First point, Emmanuel has come to triumph over his and our enemies. This uh, word Emmanuel that we've said a lot now means literally God with us. It means God here with us. You see this, uh, this text in Isaiah 9, it starts out with a little bit of a note of joy. It's like a light has shone in the darkness, right? Um, a light has shone. Those who dwelt in darkness now walk in it. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. God is going to bless his people. Isaiah is looking to the time when the Messiah will come and God will bring blessing. He will deliver them from their distress. And what's fascinating to me is right before this, if you have your Bible open, I don't know if you have your Bible open or your Bible app, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, If you look right before that, the verse immediately preceding, it says that this deliverer, This one who's coming, Emmanuel, will be coming from Galilee. Now that little little note there is not insignificant. It sounds insignificant. It's just like a geographical, right, Galilee. But it's not insignificant. You see, in the ancient Near East, what would happen is when people would invade Israel, the first place they would stop is Galilee. And so Galilee was always experiencing war, was constantly under threat, was constantly in tumult and change, feeling oppression. Almost like they're walking in darkness. And God chooses there to shine a great light. He chooses there To bring the deliverer, the deliverer who will deliver Israel from oppression, who will deliver them from slavery, from the very things that they fear so much. He says, it's there that I'm going to come. You see, immediately now, my heart is drawn to say, in the church, God chooses the very places the very places where it feels like darkness reigns to show a great light in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our condemnation. God chooses that place to show a great light. Where we fail, Jesus succeeded. And his success was greater than all of the oppression of the, in, of the enemies. There's another geographical note here. It says that his deliverance will be greater than in the days of Midian. That the oppressor will be broken as in the days of Midian. And we got to ask, what was Midian? <laughs> Where? What, what, the, what, like, what does that mean? Well, if you remember back to the book of Judges, 
I'm, I'm, I always love saying this as a pastor, as if you guys are going to know what Judges 6 and 7 means. Um, but if you can remember back, maybe write a little bit of note on this and go back and read it. Um, Midian, when, when Isaiah references Midian, he's referencing Gideon's story. And the question is, who is Gideon, right? Um, Gideon was a deliverer. He was a judge. He was someone who was coming to deliver Israel. And Gideon shows up while Israel's under oppression with 32,000 men. And God looks at the situation. He's like, that's a bit too much. Let's whittle that down. Whittle it down, whittle it down. Until he had 300 men. What's the comparison here? The reason why Isaiah says that is because the deliverance comes and the deliverance is all of God. It's all of God. All of your deliverance All of the deliverance from your oppression, from those things that drive you down, those things that make you hate yourself, it's all of God. We don't turn the light on. In a great darkness, it's God who shows the light and brings light into our lives. One commentary says this. You'll see it up on the screen. That is how God ushered in the new era of triumphant grace. We made no contribution to it. The ones walking in darkness suddenly found themselves blinking under a new light they had never seen before. They deserved what had happened to them. But God was not satisfied with that. His zeal brought a savior, our liberator, will not only defeat all the forces of evil, he will put a final end. Every mechanism for tyranny will go into the fire of God's grace. The passive voice will be burned, whispers that this victory is not our accomplishment. We step onto the battlefield after the victory is won, And all we do is celebrate. Rejoice, people. Emmanuel has come. Second point. Emmanuel is here to bring us comfort. Not only does he deliver us from the tyranny of evil, he comes and he brings us comfort. Uh, I hate being alone. Um, I'm a really social person. Uh, I, I, my, my wife knows this about me. She, she knows that if I'm not with people, uh, pretty much consistently, then I turn into like a, a total wreck. Um, when I'm home and I'm alone, I hate it. When I'm on business trips and I'm alone, I hate it. Um, when I have successes at work or in various uh, spheres that I'm, I'm working in, um, and I can only share those with myself. I hate it. It drives me crazy. Uh, I long to be with other people. Uh, recently, recently, I've had a bit of a, a bit of a, a health issue that's gone on. Um, about at the end of end of October, um, 
end of October, I had this really pressing uh, three weeks where, uh, where I was dealing with uh, a ton of stuff at work, a ton of stuff in the presbytery, a ton of stuff all over the place. Um, and I felt anxiety building um, to the point where, where I, I couldn't manage my anxiety anymore. I'm, I'm generally an anxious person. I don't know if you can tell that by the way that I interact so much and am constantly active. Um, I'm generally an anxious person. Uh, but I couldn't manage my anxiety. It was to the point where I was daily having multiple panic attacks. Um, my chest felt like uh, like I was having a heart attack, just rolling for about two and a half weeks. Uh, headaches, really bad migraines. I mean, just terrible migraines. Every night I would end up in the bathroom alone with the lights off, uh, with no sound, just to try to make it through. On the flip side of my anxiety is my depression, right? Uh, which is a great combination. Um, it, it looks like a, like a general sadness that moves through my life. It's almost like it's a constant companion. You know one of those hangers-on um, that you just hate to be around, but they just never leave you alone? Um, that's my depression. That's my anxiety. I remember uh, the, the night, uh, it was right after, it was November 1st, uh, the chest pains and migraines had gotten so bad I ended up in the ER, um, because I had to get help. I had to get something to calm me down to soothe my headache. And, um, and you know, my, my, my mom and dad were there with me. They live right near me. Uh, my sister was texting me. My wife was with me the entire night. And yet I felt alone. Isn't that funny how you can be with people and still feel alone? Um, I felt alone. I felt like I was traversing this road that nobody who was with me understood. Christmas plays in on this, right? Uh, we get this great movie, Home Alone, right? Kevin! Um, right, slaps the face. Ah! Uh, we all long to be with someone. There's this great old term um, that has, has been with the church for a very long time called the consolation of Christ. Um, I've used the word comfort here because that's something we all can grab onto. But the consolations of Christ are far more than Christ's comfort. The consolations of Christ, they're his encouragement in our downtimes in our depression. They're his comfort in our sadness. They're his hope in our hopelessness. They're his joy in our successes and in our joy. The consolations of Christ are the comforts of Christ that are offered to us over and over again. You see, here's the reality of it. So often the consolations of Christ, um, at least for me, when I'm sitting in a, in a hospital room, or worse than that, in a hotel room by myself, um, the consolations of Christ feel so distant sometimes. 
It feels like, God, are you with me? Are you there? Hello, do you see me? Um, And yet the consolations of Christ on that night when I was sitting in the hotel room, or in the hospital room, excuse me, uh, when I was sitting in the hospital room, the consolations of Christ came on the hands and the feet out of the lips of those who were around me. The comforts of Christ came to me in the midst of that. You see, the beautiful thing about God is that in answer to all of our all of our discomfort in answer to all of our dissatisfaction, God doesn't just say, hey, be satisfied. He doesn't answer that with a list of things for us to do, for us to feel like we belong. No, he answers it by coming himself. He answers it by giving us a person, the person of Jesus, the work of Christ for us, and then he continues to give it to us on the hands and the feet and from the lips of our brothers and sisters who are around us. Another quote. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. His answers to the bullies swaggering through history is not to become a bigger bully. His answer is Jesus. God doesn't need our strength or brains. Jesus Christ crucified is the only Savior and King of the world. God with us, bringing us comfort, bringing us the comfort of Christ that was won by Christ but is brought to us through the power of the Spirit dwelling in us is brought to us by our brothers and sisters. He delivers us from oppression. He comforts us now. He'll come again to establish his kingdom forever. Third point. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord will do it. You know, if God just took care of our past and was with us in the present, that'd be pretty sweet. (laughs) Um, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be generous and kind of him. But you see, the beauty is he also cares for our future. The Advent isn't just about what God has done in the past or even what God is doing now, but Advent is about what God will do in the future. You see, his supernatural work of making everything that's wrong right of delivering us from oppression, his supernatural work will one day be completed. It will be finished. And we will enter in with him to his rest. All the injustices of this world will be done with. 
oppression, genocide, rape, racism, sexism, molestation. The list goes on and on. One day those will come to an end. All of our loneliness, all of our longings, all those things of this present age will one day find their full and final satisfaction. Christ will come again. Last quote. This child is the king to end all kings. Saving us from our failure. Lifting us up into his own justice and righteousness. He is Jesus Christ. The Lord. Our crucified, risen, reigning, and coming Savior. And he will not come back to tweak this problem and that. He will return with a massive correction of all systemic evil forever. The empire of grace will forever expand. There will never come one moment when we will say, this is the limit. He can't think of anything new. We've seen it all. No, the finite will experience the infinite. And every moment will be better than the last. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. You see... The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. It's his passion. It's his love. It's his tenacity. To make things right. For the sake of others. The zeal of the Lord. Caused him, caused a father to send his son and a son to joyfully, willingly go so that you and I can know what it means. To have a good father, a loving brother, and a comforting spirit with us, for us, consistently, now, yesterday, today, and forever. Dear brothers and sisters, Emmanuel has come. He's delivered you from your oppression. He comforts you now. He will come to establish his kingdom forever. So brothers and sisters, rejoice. God is with us. Last point. It's good for us to ask now, especially during this time, um, whether or not being a believer in Christ, someone who rejoices in this, uh, characterizes you. Um, It's good for us to stop here for a second. You may be sitting here saying, Joel, this is fantastic. Um, I'm glad you believe this. Uh, But how does this help me? Well, brother, um, friend, uh, 
sister, you too can experience this exact same joy, um, this exact same comfort, this exact same peace, this exact same rest. You can have that too. And the beauty is, it's not based on anything you do. It doesn't matter how bad of a person you have been. Um, the horrible things you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how good of a person you've been. The ways in which you've kind of kept all of your stuff together. Um, what matters is, is that God offers this to you today. It's called the free offer of the gospel. And what it means for you is that you turn to him and you place your faith in him. You receive him. You believe in what's true about him. You receive him to be your king. And then you rest. You rejoice. You love. If that's you today and you have questions about this, then you can come find me. I'm easy to spot. Um, I'm the guy with the pocket square up here in the front. I'd love to talk and pray with you about it. If you're here and you're a believer in Christ, then know this, friend. In your suffering, God is here. In your sorrow, God is with you. In your joy in this season, God is here. And he's rejoicing with you. So how do we respond? Well, this is the beauty of it. How do we respond the pressure is off. <laughs> uh, God's not Santa. Angels aren't the elf on the shelf. Um, he doesn't withhold his gifts from you if you're naughty. He doesn't give you more if you're nice. The pressure is off. God's gifts come to you consistently because of the work of Christ. When you begin to lean into that reality, rejoicing becomes a way of life, not just something you do on Sunday. <laughs> um, rejoicing becomes a way of living, living out the things that you know are true about you in the face of the things that you see yourself doing. You begin to move into this space where you're not walking around with a big smile on your face all day long because life isn't like that, right? But you start to live into this space where in the midst of your sorrow, you can still know and rejoice over the fact that even though you're sorry, even though you're sad, even though you're tired, God is still fully committed to you. You can live into this space where when you experience success, you can give thanks to God for giving you the ability to do that. You can move into this space where when you walk into Christmas dinner with that person who drives you absolutely crazy, and that's your family. <laughs> you can move into this space where you live in love for them with patience and peace. Because that's exactly the way that God lives in love with you, except for he doesn't get driven crazy by you. He just loves you. And then you can turn to those people around you. 
and you can seek justice. You can live like our blessed Savior, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, the one who comes and pursues us over and over again. Brothers and sisters, may God bless Harbor City Church in this Advent season with the rest of Christ and make her into a church that knows his presence and rejoices in the reality that Emmanuel has come in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy, and we pray that you would grant us um, the comfort that comes from you, Jesus, the consolation of Christ, for his sake and the building of his kingdom. Amen. Do you want this?